Welcome to Talk Therapy CBT, a conversation about educating, helping, and connecting individuals to the world of psychology. This podcast is supported and produced by Inner Balance Psychology Center. I'm your host, Dr. Don Raffa. Join with me today is my co-host, Anthony Dana. How are you doing today? I'm a little nervous. <laughs> We're going to uh, open a door, a Pandora's box of sorts that I'm a little... Some eerie uh, subjects are going to be discussed on today's show. This might have been a better Halloween special, uh, but... True. You know, Halloween in January. Mm, why not? Why better, not? Late, better late than never, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The show title we came up with, Eccentric Therapy, which unconventional and slightly strange is, I think, the best way to put it. So my quote for today is six plus three equals nine, but so does five plus four. The way you do things isn't always the way to do them. Respect other people's way of thinking. And I've always tried to be a big believer. Oh, by the way, that was, um, I got that off of thinkpositive.com. Couldn't find an author to take the credit, but I like the quote. And I've always tried to live my life with that maxim, but sometimes it's difficult to, and I think we're going to uh, talk about some subjects that it's extremely difficult to respect other other people's way of thinking. But again, we're playing Monday morning quarterback. At the time, these therapies were considered perhaps revolutionary and hopeful Mm -hmm. and and helping people? Sure. They were considered, I don't know if they used the term back then, evidence-based like we use now. Maybe we use evidence-based now because of these outdated therapies. But back then they thought they were revolutionary. So kind of like during the era, you know, they really thought it was the best interest of the patient, I assume. Is Is it illusions or delusions of grandeur? Delusions. Delusions of grandeur, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and there's uh, people believe, you know, when they're desperate and suffering, they believe in treatments and therapies and want to get better. Well, you know, Nicholas II had a son, you know, his uh, Alexei, who was a a hemophilic. He didn't know it at the time, but they were desperate for answers and they put all their trust into Rasputin, who was just (laughs) a pervy, drunk monk, uh, but <laughs> but he said that he had superpowers and he can heal them. Mm-hmm. And so they brought him uh, to their palace and uh, he was one of their chief advisors and he was a, you know, he's a charlatan, you mm-hmm. know? So yeah, when you're desperate, you'll look to uh, any uh, a witch doctor, you know, anybody selling something on the street, a tonic, whatever it is, you get desperate, sure. Snake oils were popular, right? Yep. So today's show is kind of a blend of... Um you know, bizarre psychology, therapy, and history, because there's a little history lesson in this too. So, okay, my quote was by Carl Jung, pendulum of the mind oscillates between sense and nonsense, not between right and wrong. Okay. So what struck me to be relative to our show was this sense and nonsense. Would you want to interpret that or what do you think? Yeah, I, you know, um, there's, there are different ways of thinking, but then there's also just sense and nonsense. Mm -hmm. And you just don't respect my way of thinking. It's like, no, your way of thinking is nonsense. So I can't. If there's nothing remotely adequate, you know, does anything, or for lack of a better phrase, like, you know, if there's, what do you get out of what you're doing? And is it hurtful? And I think the biggest thing to, to talk about in these therapies is you're, 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 you're really damaging people. Um, <laughs> it, it's doing more harm than good, <laughs> you know, like. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also subjective to the person if they think it's nonsense. And again, I mentioned before this confirmation bias, rationalize and find evidence to support your belief. Freud did that. Lots of these doctors did that. People at the time did that. If you're looking to prove a point, you can find some mm-hmm. kind of research to back it up right. if you look hard enough. Yes. And even you can even manufacture it at mm-hmm. times if, you, if necessary. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So I guess we're kind of going back and forth between sense and nonsense and not necessarily right and wrong, which is good. 
instead of being so black and white with right and wrong. Although I guess sense and nonsense is a little categorical as well. It's, you know, black it can and white. be, it, um, you know. Depends on uh, who, you know, what your definition of nonsense is. It's like, um, you know, what Ron Burgundy says, well, we could just agree to disagree. <laughs> you know, yeah, I guess we're going to have to because <laughs> yeah. San Diego doesn't have a German origin. San Diego. San, Di San, San Diego, whatever mm -hmm. you said. All right. So I have a list of different therapies that I'm going to mm -hmm. go over with, uh, give the doctor and she's going to just give a quick, uh, you know, a review or a summary and mm -hmm. we can discuss them a little bit maybe further. So the first one is scream therapy. Mm -hmm. And so tell us about scream therapy. Okay. So this one isn't so crazy, but it's really not used today. So originally published in 1970 was a psychologist named Arthur Janov. And it was a trauma-based psychotherapy created by him. So one of the things that I guess could make sense is that during that time, especially during the 50s, people had to repress their emotions. They were not encouraged to speak their mind and keep everything bottled up and, you know, don't show your neighbor how you feel. So people were repressed in their feelings, particularly anger. We're allowed to express anger. So the, the reason this therapy, I guess, came about was to help people scream it out and show their expression of anger. So it was literally screaming in order to, you know, purge through, get rid of feelings. So I guess there's a time and place to just let your uh, emotions out and, you know, make sure that nobody is around to <laughs> to wonder to wonder if you're okay or to be concerned or to ask if you need help, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, again, not necessarily crazy because, again, given the era, people really did repress their emotions. Like, no one really talked about feelings and everybody just, you know, tried to be buttoned up. You can see that in the advertising, you know, the women and men just like, oh, I'm talking about my feelings. So I don't know if this was done in a group or not. Okay. Or if it was individual or both. I think this is fine. I don't think it's unhealthy or scary or dangerous. Mm -hmm. yeah, and um, I don't think it's it's necessary. I don't. I wouldn't say it's evidence. It's considered evidence based treatment. <laughs> if it makes you feel better. Oh yeah, let's do And you're not thing. hurting anybody. And that's a big one. And we're going to get to those in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. And yourself, you know, maybe the long no, run. No, no, no. Isn't it a good thing? No. It's not. It's not. It's not, not enough. Not. It's not enough. No. But if it feels like it. How about if it, I feel like it's helping me? Doctor, I do scream therapy and I get a lot and I feel so much better yeah. after I just go out into the woods and scream and then come back and I'm like, boy, now I can just get started with my day. Well, that's cheaper than paying my hourly rate sure. and coming in exactly. and screaming. See, in the and there's always that. As long as there's noise proof. So that's why you're against scream therapy. I'm just kidding. Uh <laughs> No, it's not terrible. I'm not saying it is. Like, you know, we talk about anger management and screaming into a pillow, right. you know, hitting a pillow or using a bat and like hitting like a, a foam bat or something. But, yeah. I don't know. It's, I just am under the impression because I'm very CBT oriented, it's not enough. Okay. Like that is a little bit. That's okay. That's the tip of the iceberg. Well, I think there's other ways for people to experience repressed emotions. And yes, I invite people to release their anger in positive ways that are helpful and not harmful. Well, didn't Tears for Fears, you know, didn't they preach this gospel mm -hmm. to shout, yeah. shout, yeah. get it all out, let, yeah. let it all out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, that's where it came from, from primal <laughs> therapy, primal scream. So as long as it's not like the movie scream, you know. Sure. That's, that's not good for into, anybody. All venturing right. into that. Number two. Mm -hmm. Bloodletting. Hmm. Tell us about that. <laughs> Is it pretty much what it sounds like? 
Pretty much. Okay. Yeah, and this, I have to see, hold on, let me see where this dates back to. Maybe the Middle Ages or maybe even farther back than that? Mm-hmm. Um, wait a second. Well, this was used not just for psychology, you know, like they, I think they use this for, for different ailments, you know. So to stall for you, what I do remember, um, Catherine the Great, um, she was from Prussia. She wasn't Russian, but she had, um, she married into the Romanov family and she wanted to become Russian. She learned the language, she did everything she possibly could to be, you know, embrace uh, in, with Russian. And so she, she did bloodletting. So to, to get her, you know, uh, her Prussian blood out of her body, or that's, oh, really? that's how she explained it. Okay. So yes, it is what it says. Withdrawing blood from people to prevent or cure illness and disease. So they've thought back then physicians assisted this, or actually they use leeches, so that kind of goes into the leech one, mm-hmm. same thing. Um, based on an ancient system of medicine, they thought your bodily fluids were imbalanced and regarded as humors. So they started doing this until the late 19th century, over a span of 2,000 years. So that's a lot of bloodletting, <laughs> over mm. 2,000 years. Again, not really sure how much blood you needed to let out. How would they know <laughs> that it worked? There's also the placebo effect. Yeah. You know. Hopefully they gave you some juice and a cookie like they, they, you know, right after because you're going to be very lightheaded. Mm -hmm. So they stopped. Yes, you're right. The Middle Ages up into the 19th century. Okay. Um, barber surgeons were doing that. <laughs> barber surgeons. Barber slash. Yeah, I'm not going to, you know, my barber, you know, good person, but I'm not going to trust uh, trust that guy with... Uh... Oh, you know how they knew that it was working, quote unquote? Okay. You fainted. Oh, so that's good because you got all the bad blood out of you. You have to withdraw so much blood and this in is order a, to faint. And this is a transitional period. And then when you wake up, you're as good as new. Apparently. Okay. Yeah. There was no way to test it. Of course, (laughs) to make sure your blood was clean. Um, So it declined um, in the 19th century. And if you didn't wake up, then that was maybe a little too much. If you didn't wake up, that might be too much. Then it it didn't work. If it looked like a horror movie, probably too much blood. All right. Speaking of horror movies, great segue. Mm -hmm. The lumbotomy. Mm -hmm. Heard of this one. Wow. Well, this one's been depicted in in movies. Okay, so... Whoever came up with this, did they go to jail for the rest of their lives? Mm-hmm. And and anybody who just, I just, I, I still, there are things that happen that are, I guess, agreed upon, pacified, um, that mm-hmm. go on, and it's lunacy, <laughs> and it goes on for a ridiculous amount of time, and then mm-hmm. after it's all said and done, people scratch their heads. How did that happen? How, like like me right now? How did the lumbotomy? take place and people, you know, who were in the medical profession, mm-hmm. you know, because this went hand in hand with psychology and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the, and medical profession, allowed this to take place mm-hmm. um, and think it was okay. They believed it was good. Yeah. So it was, um, at the time, the favorite psychiatric treatment, the modern lobotomy was the brainchild of Antonio Igas Moniz, Portuguese doctor. Guilty. Guilty as charged. Yes. I mean, that's, that's, so, my, that's my ruling. This is what he believed. Okay. Mental illnesses, specifically, were generally caused by problems in the neurons of the frontal lobe. So this is the brain just behind the forehead. So in movies like Cuckoo's Nest, you see that. Mm-hmm. So how he developed this theory, he heard about a monkey whose violent feces-throwing urges had been curbed by cuts to the frontal lobe. So they decided to cut a monkey's head, and they decided to try that out on humans. An so, aggressive monkey. 
So they tried the lobe cutting okay. of these individuals um, to calm them down. So he believed the technique could cure insanity while leaving the rest of the patient's mental function normal, even though they're a little fuzzy <laughs> to calm people down. I assume it worked in the sense it did calm people down. Yeah, but you got you basically got yourself a zombie. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so unfortunately it was a whole range of people. So the lobotomy rage hit the American shores Dr. Walter Freeman took the traveling, uh, traveling the country in his lobotomobile. He actually had a mobile of lobotomy. All right. So when did f- people finally wake up and smell the coffee and realize that this is this is a joke and we need to stop this insanity? Hold on. I can't. I can't. Okay. I'm sorry, but I can't believe. Let me finish. Yeah. You're getting excited. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So he performed the technique from anyone from how disaffected housewives, whatever that is, catatonic schizophrenics. The road-ready procedure involved inserting a small ice pick into the brain through the eye socket and wiggling it around. People thought that that was better than lifelong institutionalization. Um, However, surprise, they were virtual zombies um, as a result, you know. And your question as to when that ceased to exist. Yeah. From the mid-1950s, it rapidly fell out of favor. Good. Because of poor results and partly because of the introduction of the first wave of psychiatric drugs. So it is banned today, unfortunately. So if, there, <laughs> if, so if psychiatric drugs were not, did not come into, you know, being, mm-hmm. then we might have continued on with this. this, this, <laughs> this lunacy. So thanks. I mean, like, mm-hmm. uh, it took that to, okay, well, mm-hmm. maybe these drugs will be better instead of just doing this. Oh, yeah, by the way, this isn't a good way to do it anyway, isn't it? Like, well, our friends at the Soviet Union banned the surgery in 1950, arguing that it was uh, contrary to the principles of humanity. So it was inhumane. Okay, they thank decided. God for them. And then other countries, including Germany and Japan, banned it. Um, so they kind of figured <laughs> that it wasn't so good. You think? I, oh, I, God. I want to say it's illegal now. Yeah. Hopefully no one out there is doing this market besides uh, Hannibal Lecter. I forget. Um, Maybe he's doing it. Well, I forget what sister it was, but um, Joe Kennedy had one of uh, one of his daughters because mm-hmm. um, she was... Lobotomized? She was lobotomized. I don't know if she was just erratic behavior. I don't know if she had a, a mental... Um, I think I remember. Right, but her behavior was too... You know, just yeah. erratic, uh, for lack of a better word. And then she, she was she, considered an embarrassment. Oh, you're embarrassed. You know, manic. She might have been. I'm not sure exactly um, what her situation was, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he. That I mean, that was probably one of the most famous uh, lobotomies. It was uh, oh yeah, John Kennedy's sister. Well, they started doing it through the brain, like they actually drilled holes in the brain and stuff. But and then they, I guess, decided that was unethical, so they went through the eye. Instead, mm-hmm. cut, cut your brain, which is skeevy, right? Yep. Skeevy. All right, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> Rebirthing therapy. This one is pretty much what it sounds <laughs> like. Give me a second. Okay. I don't have to know my notes. It's a rebirthing. Yeah. You're born again? Yep. Um, so it's illegal as well. Sorry, all you out there that maybe ascribe to this. Um, it's an alternative therapy designed to treat reactive attachment disorder and, and also trauma. I think that it was also for trauma. Um, so what they did was they wrapped you up in, I guess, towels and like sheets to simulate being in the womb. Mm-hmm. And you were supposed to be born. Now, I don't know, like through, like you come out whole in the end. Um, like a swaddle. Yeah. Yeah, like you're you're pretty much constricted in this, you know, get up and somebody pulls you out on the other end of it. 
in order to then be born. They smack you on the rear end too, or? <laughs> I don't know. There's okay. some, some pictures. Maybe you got to pay extra for that. I got some pictures. Okay. You want to see this? No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, okay. So it's revisiting your trauma, and having a therap so having a therapeutic, um, you know, corrective emotional experience. Breathe and and all this stuff. So, it was banned after someone died. Go figure. Yeah. This takes one. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, <laughs> they ruined it for he ruined it for everybody. I was going to go for my rebirthing appointment next month. Mm-hmm. <sighs> right. So um, it's like a second birth, I guess, in order to kind of fix it from the first time that it didn't go so well. Because um, <laughs> you would remember that. My when I was born, it was it was hectic. I went my 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 mother went through twenty hours of labor. I feel so guilty. I want to do it over again. Let's do a do over. Yep. It's treat a patient who has suffered some traumatic event in order to give them a second birth, a fresh start, consciousness in life. Um, a girl died in a seventy-minute struggle. Oh yes. Oh, getting your getting doing the rebirthing. Okay. Yeah, the patient died. What do they put you in? Like, what are you in? That they pull you out of? It's, um, That's scary. I, Is it like an MRI? No, no. I think it's like sheets or something. Okay. What the, what the heck did they do to this girl? Mm-hmm. Oh no no no! Here we go. Okay, ten-year-old girl. Okay. In, right there. In Colorado. Okay. <laughs> Rebirthing. Uh, Candace Newmaker died during a seventy-minute session in which she was wrapped from head to toe and surrounded by pillows. Despite the girl's cries that she was suffocating, the therapist continued to push her in an attempt to stimulate simulate uterine congestion. Oh god! Did that? So did that? <laughs> did that person go to jail? Hold on. Please. It was videotaped and used in court against the therapists who were convicted of reckless child abuse resulting in death ooh, and sentenced to 16 to 48 years imprisonment. So, I hope, yes, yes, it is not used and it is illegal because you can literally kill people. Yeah. So, no rebirthing anymore. Just live on with your first birth, I guess. Yeah, really. Just, just play the cards that you dealt. Just kind of. How about just imagine it in your mind instead of going through the pillow suffocation? I mean, like, you know, I mean, we don't have to go so hardcore with the pillows and, you know. Yeah. Okay. Terrible, terrible. Fever therapy. Yeah. This one's weird. Oh, that? Oh, this one's weird. Okay. The other ones were just fine. I mean, just the rationale. (laughs) The rationale is weird. Um, (laughs) What? What? Okay. All right. So fever therapy... I want to say, is this the one, did I say that it was the same as malaria therapy or no? You might have. Okay. So it's inducing fevers, you know, in someone. Okay. In order to, again, sustain an elevated body temperature and in order to treat different ailments. So 18th century, (laughs) they began to say... (laughs) Science has come a long way since... I know. Yeah. Um, or somewhat. I thought it did. It was used for syphilis. So it was yeah. used for syphilis. So it's not necessarily mental health, I guess. But it was, it was again, a weird therapy. It was also used for mental diseases. Okay, here we go. So they discovered it with being helpful for syphilis. And I guess... Just because. Yeah. Well, I guess they just induced a fever in order to get rid of the bad juju. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I guess. Okay. in your body. In different ways was, I guess, medication or just heating you up, putting you in a heat cabinet, a hot bath. <laughs> so, like, you know, the uh, the sauna or the hot tub is like a way milder version of that in some some mm-hmm. case, in some way of thinking. 
Yeah. You talk about like you go through like eating certain foods for your, you know, your body and supposedly, you know, it helps you. And part of that was sitting in like a sauna thing where you had to sweat out your toxins. So you, you did like this whole oil massage okay. to put like lather you in a ton of oil. And then you go into this, you're basically cooking inside this, right. this sauna, which is fine. That's a sauna. It's not inducing a fever that I'm aware of. Right. So it's maybe sort of used today. Hmm. Um, but not really anymore. So it was mostly used for, I guess, syphilis and then some mental disorders. So don't think it's a good idea. Okay. So tell us next about hydrotherapy. <laughs> so I just have to laugh at some of these because, I mean, again, at the time it made sense. So this one is, it's not really taking a bath per se. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes things don't make sense, but it's still done at the time. So, mm -hmm. I mean, at the time it made sense or maybe for many people it didn't make sense, but it still went on. Look, I still think baths are fun and it's good to do <laughs> for stress relief. Hyperactive patients got warm, tiring baths while lethargic patients got stimulating sprays. Like a so, cold shower oh, or like you're in well, a car wash. With a fire hose, though. Uh. Okay. Uh, one treatment involved mummifying the patient in towels soaked in ice cold water. It sounds like a punishment, I'd say, more so than anything. What's a little bit strange is that some of these individuals would be submerged for hours or days and you couldn't get out with, except to go to the bathroom. So that's a really long time. So wait, one more time. So if you're lethargic and just, wait, you get that, you get the If you're lethargic, you get a nice cozy bath, which is typical. Or no, I'm sorry, if you're hyperactive. If you're hyperactive. Yeah, if you're lethargic. So we want to calm you down. Yeah. But for those who are already mellow, we want to try to like stimulate, you know, want to shake a hornet's nest or, or sort of speak or try to get you going mm -hmm. instead of just being happy that you're just chill and mellow. They would use high pressure jets and like fire hose you in order to calm you down if you're, you're crazy. And then there was one patient who was strapped to the wall in a crucifixion position. Okay. Um, and sprayed. So again, just like the the other therapy, what did we say? The lobot lobotomy yeah. was replaced with psychiatric drugs which seemed to be more effective. So, you know what? I mean, Sprays let me tell you something. As much as psychiatric drugs are given out way too often and just... Kind um, of a miracle compared to what... Well, what thank God for them because of this nonsense. <laughs> yeah. So at least, you know, now we have a new problem of just giving people pills for everything, mm -hmm. which isn't good either, but mm -hmm. it's a step up, I, I have to say. I mean, I don't know, man. If I would, I would probably rather get sprayed by a hose then take a second psyche anti-psychotic, I guess. Yeah, That's but you remember Jack Nick but you remember Jack Nicholson, man. He played Nurse Ratchet a couple times with yeah. the with the hide the pill under the yeah. tongue thing. So yeah. there's always, you know, many slip between the cup and the lip. Next up, we have psychic surgery. Okay. So this, this one This is where a psychic comes in and and, and cuts you open. Mm-hmm. Like well, Dion Warwick. And, what? Right, what like a talking? psychic, like that psychic, like Lakes. call one nine hundred and they. Oh right. That's right, what I think right. of when I think uh -huh. of the psychic, psychic hotline. It's a pseudoscientific medical fraud, <laughs> mm. in which practitioners create the illusion of performing surgery with their bare hands <laughs> and use sleight of hand, fake blood, <laughs> animal parts to, I guess, act like they are doing surgery. It's a David Copperfield surgery, like. Yeah. The U.S. Federal Trade Commission describes psychic surgery as a total hoax. Uh, it may cause needless death, <laughs> you know. 
um, instead of doing actual surgery. So it was linked to paranormal, you know, activities. It was in the spiritualist community in the Philippines and Brazil in the middle of the 20th century. Um, and then North America, 1970s, it started with psychic dentistry. <laughs> um, sounds like it's pretty illegal, I guess, at this point. It's pure fakery. No surgery is performed. It's just tricks. Do they knock you out and then you wake up and you think they did something? <laughs> mm. Or do they just give you a local, like, hey, was they actually give you a local? I don't, I don't know. know. If you're awake, well, why go through all that with all the, the fake blood and all that if you're not awake? I don't know. It's like a mind trick. You know? <laughs> Jedi mind trick. A Jedi mind trick. Yeah. Animal entrails. Ew. Okay. It would make it seem realistic. Let's, let's, let's move on to something everybody can appreciate, an exorcism. <laughs> everybody can appreciate an exorcism. Oh, the movie was good. The movie is not Terrifying. I still, honestly, I want to say it's probably still scary. There's certain no, ones that, I'll watch. that movie holds up. Like, Look, there's yeah. certain ones that I'll watch that I, like, Fred, the Nightmare on Elm Street looks so silly now. You know, uh, Friday the 13th looks so silly. It looks so fake. Right. You know? When you're a kid, one... it was terrible. So exorcism is, you know, still performed, I guess, right? Some certain places um... in religion. They believed that people were possessed, you know, if they were maybe schizophrenic or they were delusional or they had paranoia and they would perform an exorcist in order to, exorcism, I'm sorry, in order to get rid of the bad spirits. They were, you know, cursed by the devil. At least they weren't just hung like the Salem witch trials. At least they, there's, a, mm -hmm. there's a chance of saving you, at least uh, in mm -hmm. their minds, as mm -hmm. opposed to the Puritans. Mentally ill people were told to stop their medication you know, because they said that it wouldn't help the demon. So exorcism would have to you know, get rid of the demons were in there. So they used them for mentally ill people across the world. It wasn't even just in the U.S. Do you always need a, a man of God or a priest or somebody who's yeah. religious? Right? Somebody who's trained in exorcism? Right, of course. Yeah, like trained. Were, I'm trained in exorcism. <laughs> you were, I, I don't think yeah. you no, of course not. could do it. You have to know about demonopathy. Right. You know that demon. Demonopathy. Demonopathy. So is that? Ooh, like that I missed that elective in college. That would've been fun. Some cases suggest that possessed persons are narcissists suffering from low self-esteem and act demonically in order to gain attention. So maybe we can find a class on that. Yeah. How about we I just can add that to my credentials? Yes. Why don't we just we can we can we can teach it. Why don't we new podcast demonopathy? <laughs> demonopathy. This weekend demonopathy. <laughs> we have an, we have another guest. We find a lot of guests for this show. There was a, 50, <laughs> there was a get a demon on the show. Really. Yeah. So by the way, fun fact: fifty percent increase in exorcisms between the early nineteen sixties and mid nineteen seventies. So I wonder what was going on then. The movie. The movie? When did, uh, uh, let me look up when the movie came out. I want to say early 70s, but let me double check on that. Um, so the exorcism began to decline in the U.S. by the 18th century. So something happened to increase it. I'm it's, telling it's, you, it was that movie coming out. It, that's all it takes, man. It's the people, movie. People. That's all it takes. They, 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 you know, hey, it's trendy. Let me do it. Mm -hmm. Let me do it twice. Yesterday, I just looked up. Wait, I looked up the actual exorcism like movie. I gotta look up. Yeah, you look up the movie. All right, I'm looking too. The original. Um, so that's your theory. That's 1973, The Exorcist. It was ah, The Exorcist. Exorcist. 73. Hmm. I wonder if that had anything to do with it. You wonder. That's a good guess. You're such a historian. <laughs> I'm just a pop pop culture geek. All right. Next we have. Let's. See, well, I'm gonna skip to number ten. 
Just go to mesmerism first. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I got that. This one is pretty much what it is, you know, it sounds like is, is this mesmerizing thing. So there was an Austrian physician named Frank Mesmer back in the 1700s to 1800s. He believed just like Yoda, which Yoda is amazing, but whatever, an invisible force pervaded everything and that disruptions in the force caused pain and suffering. So his basic theory was that the gravity of the moon affected bodily fluids in the same way it caused ocean tides and diseases were linked to a disruption in these you know, fluids. Mm -hmm. So his solution to this was to get magnets and put them over all over certain areas of a patient's body in order to counteract the disruptive influence of the moon's gravity. So we should do this tonight because there's a full moon tomorrow. Maybe we can use some magnets in the gift shop and do that. Okay. <laughs> So do you think there, there's any, so any truth to the rumor that George Lucas got his idea of mm -hmm. the force and from writing this from this guy? And this guy is owed royalties, if not him, then his family. Yeah. So people thought this was a miracle cure, although the community dismissed it as hooey um, and also chalked it up to the placebo effect which is a strong effect that if you believe it, it will happen. Even you think you're taking this medication, but it's a sugar pill or sugar medicine and I feel better. Um, so it doesn't work anymore, the magnets. I have seen people wearing these like magnetic bracelets though. I don't know if that has to do with environmental toxins or something, but like, <laughs> man, have you heard about these magnetized? Uh, yeah, I, I, I had a couple, I had a guy one time try, I mean, he was, was he trying to say? Oh God, was he ever! And he was like, "Look at me! Look, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put these on you now. Mm -hmm. Stand on one foot." Uh, and he, he tried to say. push me, and my is balance isn't that? great. And I'm, I uh, know it was a guy. I was working at, at a at a gym. I was working <laughs> at the front desk on Sundays for a free gym membership. And this guy would come, older guy. His kid would go in for swim lessons. So me and him would talk about this or that. And I guess he thought I was a, a mark for him to to continue on with this pyramid uh, scheme or whatever he's got to sell these bands or get me to either sell them or buy them or both. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Yeah, I know the whole, uh, I know yeah. the spiel. Something. I mean, I don't know if it causes damage by wearing magnets, but I really want to tout them. So I want to introduce the, the next therapy. Um, I guess it can be considered a therapy with the following quote from the immortal... Eric Clapton, if you want to hang out, you've got to take her out. Cocaine. <laughs> if you want to get down, you get down on the ground. Cocaine. Mm -hmm. She don't lie. She don't lie. She don't lie. Cocaine. Okay. <laughs> so tell us about cocaine, Dr. Rafa. What do you know about cocaine? <laughs> what do I know about it from a therapeutic perspective? Yes, like that? that's perspective, of course. I had mentioned this before, maybe in our history of psychology, about Freud um, being a proponent of this type of therapy. So he used it himself. Um, he was looking, <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> was sniffing around for a... Uh, Is that why he was such a busy guy? He got a lot a of things guy. done, huh? Oh, yeah. He was pretty productive, I'd say, right? He had this theory that you needed to, you know, fix the, was something with the nostrils. You had to yeah, fix, fix the ailments. Fix, fix your nostrils. Your nostrils, yeah. So he tried it and he liked it. And what he did was he got more. So he started ingesting it in his water and he said that it was a gorgeous excitement upon first ingesting it. It was exhilarating and lasting euphoria also noting the suppression of fatigue and hunger. So why not treat your patients with it? 
he published a paper on this. Was he was he German or Austrian? Vienna, right? Vienna, so Austria, okay. Mm -hmm. So he treated, uh, he gave massive quantities of cocaine to middle-class Viennese neurotics, women, mm -hmm. who had come to chat with him endlessly about their problems. So he doled so, it out. So they probably wanted to chat endlessly more. Probably, because they. I, <laughs> I would imagine so. They wanted to tra chat even more. Right, you can imagine. Like yeah. now, they're, now they're really going <laughs> to... Mm -hmm. They're really going to keep going. Yeah. So he did... I told you he published a book, and now I can't find it. Or a paper, I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, Uber Coca. That's right. Yeah. How <laughs> can I forget that a title? of Uber Coca. <laughs> yeah. Um, it sounds, it's, like he, it's like he had a sense of humor, but I bet he was dead serious about everything he was doing. Like, he thought Coke would be his ticket to fame and fortune. And he thought it was more glamorous than the stuffy old world of academic medicine. Emma, let me tell you something. <laughs> this, this, I want to tell you something. Uh, the, uh, Dr. Freud, it was a genius, my, uh, uh, Tony Montana agrees with uh, Uba, Uba Coca. So now we do the opposite. We treat people with substance abuse disorders as opposed to inducing them in psychotherapy. So it was, uh, I believe he got in trouble at some point for this. I don't think it ended his career because he, I believe he continued beyond this, but it was thought of as a pseudoscience. So... I don't think this is happening anymore. Well, I, so I, I remember um, around the turn of the century, of, uh, I'm sorry, 20th century. I remember it's been 22 years now, and I can't say just the century. They got to say which century now. That tonics were a big seller in at least the United States. I don't know in Europe at the time, but I remember, you know, if you weren't feeling good, you know, you would take a tonic um, yeah, and, and it would be help your ailments if you were congested. Yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. um, and in the tonic was cocaine or coca leaves or, or was and Coca-Cola mm -hmm. was originally a tonic. It wasn't a soft drink or anything like that. And most of these soft drinks had these had cocaine. Okay. It's not just caffeine. They had, cocaine. you know, and so and you'd feel a lot better. Uh, you wouldn't understand why. And either you would help you with your congestion or maybe you just wouldn't know or care about your congestion anymore. Because you're high. But yeah, but it would it would help you. I uh, want to say, we have to look this up, Coca-Cola got its name because they used to put Coke in it. I'm, uh, yeah, I know. Right. I'm pretty, I'm pretty, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that is the case. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Cocaine. So um, the reason why he liked it was because I guess people, he, you know, he was into dream analysis. So people could free associate. He could just sit there and let people ramble on and on. And he would make connections and say something amazing at the end of the session and then go off. And remember, psychoanalysis still is used, not with cocaine, but three to four times a week. Well, I will say this about him. I mean, at least Cater, he, pra he practiced Cater. what he preached. He did. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's, he's probably doing it with him. <laughs> he's probably drinking his yeah. water with you. Let's do a couple bumps before our session. So next up, this one, I think interesting, uh, hysteria therapy. Okay, so this one is is funny. So once upon a time, women suffering from pretty much any type of mental illness was lumped together as hysterical. Mm. The Greek physician Hippocrates popularized the term, believing hysteria was born from the root cause of a wandering womb. Mm. So a uterus was angry, therefore women were hysterical. So he's claimed that if the uterus remained unfruitful long beyond its proper time, it gets discontented and angry and wanders in your body. So, so if you don't have kids... Well, prior to having kids. 
until you have kids. Like it's like you you need to have kids immediately, and if you don't, this could happen to you. Yeah, it could wander up, obstruct your respiration, and drives you crazy. And one cure for that was to calm it down. <laughs> now, okay. there could be- How do we calm down the wandering womb? Right, well, I have some ideas on that, but what he did was hold a foul smelling substance under the patient's nose to drive the uterus away from her chest. However, Plato believed the surefire way to cure a wandering womb- Preach, Plato. Was to get married and have babies. That's right, procreate, get so, it. I guess that's the only way. Mm-hmm. I guess sex is not a way to cure a wandering room because they didn't mention it. But the uterus always ends up, has to end up being in the right place when it comes time to bear a child. So womb calming as a psychiatric treatment died, died out long ago. <laughs> Hysteria hung around as a diagnosis, as we know, until the 20th century. So I I'm guess like snickering like a kid in class. Like the- yeah, because the uterus isn't involved in sex. So it had to just be a baby having a baby. So I don't know if then you have a baby and then it calms it down forever. You have to keep having babies or menopausal women then become hysterical. I'm not sure the timeline of now, when your womb calms down. It's one and done. You have one. Baby. What about hysterical men? Oh, there was no such thing. I don't believe there was. Okay. Only women are hysterical. Right. Because okay. men repress their feelings, remember? Uh, okay. They, they needed anger, anger therapy. Or, right. Well, the, okay. So... It seemed like it was just towards women because it was uterus. It was okay. just uterus driven. So everyone out there, make sure your womb is not wandering. Yeah. You don't, you know. You don't want that happening. You don't want that label. I mean, if you're hysterical and suffocating from any ailments, ailment, you might have a wandering womb. <laughs> okay. Next. We have a couple more. I have a couple more. We're almost mm-hmm. done. Trepanation. Am mm-hmm. I saying that right? Yeah. Yep. Trepanation. So this was drilling holes in your head. Mm. <laughs> so it's a little similar to uh, bloodletting, right? But it was... <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean like, not good, but I mean... What would you rather have? I'd rather you let, let my blood out. Let's just yeah. you put some leeches on me. All right. So this is a little bit, you know, connected to theory behind this therapy, quote unquote, is that insanity is caused by demons lurking in your skull. So boring <laughs> a hole in your head creates a door through which the demons can escape don't know where they go into another head. I don't know. Uh, voila, out goes the crazy. Goes so the crazy. out goes the crazy. Shoo. This can be, this can help out with an exorcism. You can Maybe do, you can you, have both. You could, there you go. Kill oh two birds, one stone. So um, archaic skulls historically have big holes in them. Now this isn't a small hole. This isn't like a, you know, ice pick hole. This is a big hole. And I imagine it was in a certain area of your brain. I, I don't know. But and the survival rate after this. Uh... <laughs> the survival rate was probably went down to some degree, right? I imagine. So it is peculiar. From the Neolithic era to the early 20th century, cultures all over the world use this as a cure for their patients. Doctors eventually phased it out and found less invasive procedures. But trepanation patrons still exist. They have their very own organizations, like the International Trepanation Advocacy Group. Okay, and this isn't illegal. Apparently not. Wow. Doesn't say it is. Lobotomy, bad. Trepanation, tolerated. Holes in your head are fine. Ice picks in your eyes are not. Okay. Just, I just, I need my cheat sheet here so I can just keep up. <laughs> Summary. Right. right. What have we learned today? Because you're going to ask me, what have we learned today? And I'm going to say... <laughs> yeah. Holes yeah. in the head. Ice pick in the eye, no. A hole in the head... Okay, <laughs> not too bad. All right, yeah, next up. Square wig. Medicated seizure therapy. 
seizure therapy. The Hungarian pathologist, I can't say his name, but I'll say his last name, Von Maduna, he pioneered the idea that in schizophrenia, epilepsy was rare. So schizophrenics were not epileptic. So it seemed that epileptics were blissfully happily happy after a seizure. So they wanted it's to, over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's over. They wanted to induce seizures that would make them calmer. So they tested numerous seizure-inducing drugs. Now, when they say tested, I want to say it wasn't on animals. It was on people. Fun candidates such as strychnine, you know, strychnine mm-hmm. poison. Caffeine's fine. And absinthe, why not? Before settling on metrazole, a chemical that stimulates circulatory respiratory system. And they realized that uh, the method was dangerous and not very effective. Maybe they didn't hallucinate anymore, but they believed that the convulsions released chemicals otherwise lacking in patients' brains. Unfortunately, there were fractured bones and memory loss because of this. And I would venture to say that it didn't work. And it didn't say it was illegal, so I don't think it's done anymore. But they seem to still agree to this day that seizures can help ease some schizophrenic symptoms. Now it's kind of maybe the rationale for ECT, you know, okay. bipolar disorder. So I guess that's kind of the way in which it's practiced today. All right. Yeah. Insulin coma therapy. So this one is pretty much what it says. It is, what do you think it is? We're gonna put you in a coma. Yeah. An insulin coma for your own good. Yeah, yeah. And guess where this came from? Um, I wanna say, uh, like part of the part of the world mm-hmm. okay yeah we never come up with this this isn't the u.s we always take other people uh, far like oh it must be good it's from europe or you know, yeah. is it from europe yeah okay let me get oh um oh germany it's a cookie it's yeah. a cookie vienna cookie sugar sugar sugar, sugar land it's a vienna oh, vienna is a cookie vienna isn't it a cookie All right, I... the viennese physician okay coma therapy <laughs> Oh, it's Austria again. Boy, I tell you what. These well, I was close. I said Germany. I was just, just right a little bit. It's Freudland. Yeah. Okay. 1927. Uh, Manfred Sackle accidentally gave one of his diabetic patients an insulin overdose, sent her into a coma. Oops. Oops. It was a major medical faux pas. However, it turned into a triumph because the woman, a drug addict, mm. hmm, woke up and declared her morphine cravings were gone. Hmm. Uh, so this guy made the mistake with another patient, quote unquote, who also woke up claiming to be cured from being in a coma. He was intentionally testing the therapy with other patients and reporting a 90% recovery rate, particularly among schizophrenia. It's a happy accident. It is a happy accident that comas would work. However, a big dose of insulin caused blood sugar to plummet, which starves the brain of food and sends them into a coma. Don't know how long they're in a coma for. Although uh, slipping into a coma is no walk in the park, as right. we know. And you can't just, and... like, shake somebody out of a coma. No. You know, I so. guess they would wake you up somehow. Well, yeah, but how? Like, what, like, From a coma? I mean, yeah, I mean. I don't know. <laughs> Throw some hydrotherapy. I mean. Spring, uh, fire hose. Like... So uh, between 1% and 2% of treated patients died as a result. So not a good one. Not a good one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then finally rotational therapy. I guess kind of rooted with Charles Darwin's grandfather, where he thought that if you rotated your body and spun (laughs) that really fast, it would be a great way to cure disease and induce a slumber. So later, American physician Benjamin Rush adapted the treatment for psychiatric purposes, believing that spinning could reduce brain congestion and cure mental illness. He was wrong. (laughs) Instead, he ended up with 
just with dizzy patients. Yeah. These days, rotating chairs are limited to the study of vertigo and space sickness. Now, we do a little bit of this with panic induction. With CBT, we try to induce a panic disorder, breathing through a straw, spinning in a chair, not super fast. Right. But in order to simulate a panic attack so that a patient can learn how to uh, deal with a panic attack when it actually happens, it's a little bit like, um, you know, exposure and response prevention to a degree. Okay. So this seems like, I don't know, was it a Disney ride, you know, kind of like spinning? Right. But apparently, again, they thought that this was a cure for psychiatric. And I have to say... Because, I mean, I, I've just been, like, you know, just trashing all these people. <laughs> no, but, you know, at the time that they were yeah. trying to come up with therapy would. and breakthroughs, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to come across some of these, <laughs> the, you know, like these and who people. today? Right. And, like, well, I mean, like, you know, they're like, oh, I mean, so it's weird. like, you know, I have I have a way to cure mental illness through spinning people around. You're nuts. Okay, well then let's go back to the guy who said, I have a way that we can fly from New York to Los Angeles in five hours. You're nuts. Mm -hmm. Okay, so one mm -hmm. one person wasn't nuts and it actually happened. The yeah. other one yeah. was. And, and yeah. you know, I mean, that's just it. Like, I mean, who's to say, but, but you know... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I want to give them some credit for trying, for trying. Yeah. but at the same time, you know. Yeah, it's bizarre. Ooh. How bizarre. Yeah. How bizarre. Well, look, nowadays, look, in 50 years, maybe somebody, 100 years, people would be looking back at our therapies and saying, that's crazy. Now we can do mind reading and now we can inject you with a <laughs> dose of this and you're cured forever of these illnesses. So who knows? In retrospect, it's always different, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, every hindsight's twenty twenty, and... Uh, you know, if I went back in time, you know, I can, hey, this is what you do, you know, when you get a wound, you clean it. Oh, my God, really? Yeah, it's common sense. But mm -hmm. I guess back during this time, you guys didn't uh, get that memo. So, okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it, it, it's always that way, isn't it? Yes. All right. So what did we learn today as, as far as our, we don't have to summarize all Please, yeah, there's too no, much. It's a lot. It's just a lot longer than I anticipated. I found more than I thought. Um, what did you learn today? I learned a lot. What was your lot. favorite? What was your favorite? I have to say, <laughs> gosh, there's so many winners. I, I mean, I've always had, I've always been a big fan of The Exorcism. Yeah. So I'm going to go, I'm just going to go with that one because it's just, you know, I'm still a believer and I like the idea of casting out the demons. I, yeah. I even on paper, it, it's a great <laughs> idea. It sounds good. <laughs> when in doubt, cast out your demons. Yes. So my favorite is the wandering womb. I I, I didn't laugh. I had a time. feeling. I've been cracking up. You were leaning it toward that one. For yes. The last week or so, when I found it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. The wandering womb theory is probably the best one. The other ones I had heard of. Some of them were new to me. Mm -hmm. I hadn't heard of all of them, but yes, I think that and exorcism takes the cake. I'd say, right? Yeah, I like I like exorcism. I mean, that's my personal pick, but you know, and I mean, but some of them are just like so like. I guess you have to watch the movie now in, in like, yeah. in, in light of the... Uh, There'll be a new resurgence. Homage, well, wasn't homage. there, a, uh, there was a remake uh, a of couple years ago or... Was there? I think so. I have to look, but mm -hmm. okay. All right. So we're going to head on out on this lovely Sunday. As always, thanks for listening to our show. Catch all of our episodes and more at www.innerbalancepsychology.com or talktherapycbt.com. Email us if you have any questions, show suggestions, uh, info at innerbalancepsychology.com. And remember to stop it and give yourself a chance.